At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, this episode of This Life, Hashtag You Live, is courtesy of True Recovery. Hydrolite, of course. Hydrolite.com slash Dr. Drew. And our new sponsor, Select CBD. Well, it's hard to believe a year has passed since one of the worst cold and flu seasons on record, but here we are again. So if you happen to catch a bug, uh, the one thing every doctor will tell you is stay hydrated. Proper hydration eases a lot of the symptoms of many of these viral illnesses, and sports drinks, water alone, is not the issue. You need to be aggressive. You need something like Hydrolite, full fluid replacement. Hydrolite is this oral rehydration product you've heard me talking about. It's better than anything out there. It delivers the right balance of sodium, glucose, and water, providing up to four times the electrolytes sports drinks can offer, all with 75% less sugar. So think about that. It's like taking an IV by mouth. But my favorite thing is at the convenience. I'm always on the run, so I use the effervescent tablets. You just drop them in a water bottle or even a glass of water. I literally never leave home without them. No one in my family does, for that matter. And because Hydrolite is appropriate for all ages, it's perfect for the little snowmen amongst you when they come home from the school, perhaps sniffling. Hydrolite comes in great flavors, orange berry and hot lemonade, available in a premixed drink, a powder, or, like I said, those fizzy tablets. I love those. They go everywhere. Come in a little tube. Every package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. Order your supply today at hydrolite.com slash drdrew. For a limited time, you can save 30%. We use the code at checkout, drdrew18. That's Dr. Drew18. So... Either click through on our banner at drdrew.com or go to hydrolite.com slash drdrew and then use that code drdrew18. Hey, this is Dr. Drew and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Boys and girls, get Granny out of the back bedroom and gather around the iPad. It's time for another podcast of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob. Our special guest, Sam Canonias. He is the author of Dreamland. The all-time Sam- greatest guest, might I say. I think so, too. By I the didn't way. know he was going to be on until I got in this hallway. I, we tried to tell you. I don't think no, you got- I think I think it slipped through the cracks. But, but as we- You're one of my heroes. Thank you, you very understand. much. That's really kind of you. I appreciate it, man. But before we get to it, Bob likes pretending this podcast is like the way they used to gather around in old radio. Old-time radio <laughs> shows. Terrific idea. So, so, Terrific except idea. now it's a pad or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but, and I've gushed on you before, Sam, you know. Thank, yes, love the thank book. you, Drew. And okay. it was such a validation to read your book because I lived all that. Right. Um, you so sh- I, I got to tell you, wait, wait, when quick, the book first quick, came out. Wait, 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 hold on. So I need to tell people we have Sam on the opioid series. You can hear his commentary uh, in Chapter Michelle 11, I believe. Uh, in any event, he's very involved in that series as well. Also, there's a Dr. Drew podcast. I believe it's behind the, behind the podcast one paywall where you can hear my interview with him. Oh, it's still open at this time. You can find the... I, I think it's number, I don't know which number it is, but you can find it there. 337. 337. Number 337, Sam's interview. But this is going to be different because Bob's going to be in here. And uh, okay, I great. Bob was a fan I of I can't yours. wait. So here we go. So I got to tell you, I got yeah. the book when it, about a year after it came out, a friend of mine told me, you got to read this book. I read it, I saw, you know, I, I read about the first three chapters. I saw what you were explaining. It was what we were experiencing. And I just got so depressed. And, and that this <laughs> is you. never going to end. Now it's been finally documented. Yeah. Nobody's going to care. What, what do you mean? You, well, what do you mean? Well, it's care? 10 years later. Yeah, Nobody but, but, cared when it first came out. No, I know. But now shit's going down. Stuff's so yeah. does it feel uh, good to be? It, I, it I, must I, have felt like sh- this book is going to wise people up. It didn't. The system still killed hundreds of thousands of Americans. Well, I would say this. Yeah, it, uh, people are dying in record numbers, and that is a compli- there's a complicated story behind that, too. But I would say that overall, I'm, I'm stunned at the reaction. I, I, because when I was working on this, 
uh, maybe like you guys, I, I encountered total silence. No one wanted to be out front. Media didn't really care too much about it. Politicians didn't really want to focus on it too much. And I couldn't believe it. I thought I saw all these people dying. And, and, yet, and so what I've seen since the book has come out has been profound. I mean, I mean – The last three, four years. Oh, yeah. No, it's about people – I'm speaking everywhere. I know. I mean, I did 81 speeches this last year. 81 speeches and uh, conferences and so and and but but what strikes me is the intensity with which people greet the book and people come uh they're nurses they're doctors they're families who've lost f- uh folks there's mayors there's on and on and on all kinds of folks and so i'm seeing that it is it definitely helped. It's definitely helped people understand. It's helped people get active and, and come out of the shadows in an important way. It, the problem is, of course, we spent 20 years getting into this. And so to think that all of a sudden within two or three that we would somehow have it all solved yeah, and I back in the bottle I is... I think we're swinging back too far yeah. the other way. There are yeah. people that do have debilitating pain. It's a sure. small percentage of the population. I get emails all the time no doubt. that... That they're now cut off. Yeah, and right? that, I have a, I have a, my my wife has a uh, has a has an aunt who's um, who's suffering from uh, very serious pa- cancer, and she oh my God. And cancer pain cancer they're pain they're not doing. Uh. Well, she's got she has a fentanyl patch. It's not enough for uh. the pain that she's. I suffers. see. They're afraid to give her enough, and, and and I think that they need to wise up that this is for some people this is absolutely necessary but it's like we the the pendulum swings back and forth all or nothing all or nothing you know and and that's where we find ourselves uh today i think there what i was looking for frankly and uh even though i'm a layman and all this is some nuance you know i'm looking for like okay let's spend some time and find out do people do people need this does this cancer patient need more well then why don't we you know she's in her 70s why not you know yeah why open not up or maybe uh, and, the, and the thing that drew always describes is the 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 lawsuits directed at doctors that didn't prescribe enough was the key to it all i yeah. think mm-hmm. because why yes because uh, because drew, and, well, and, I, then, drew then, and i differ on how many bad doctors there are i he thinks there are a few i think there are a lot more than a few uh-huh right but even good doctors, doctors we saw go to jail, yeah. amazing doctors yes, right. were, were in this predicament you know of what, uh, prescribe and kill or you'll be bankrupt. Yeah, and I, and I think this was part of how, how you got doctors to go along with this. There's yep. the yeah. pressures on docs. Um, when, I, when I first started this book, I would say that, that I had this one person explain to me what, what had happened. And she said, you know what happened was – all these doctors got paid off by the pharma companies. No, it's and, not and true. And I thought to myself, it's not true. oh, that's interesting. And then I began to do interviews, and I realized it was not true. And so I began to say, uh, How could no, that even be possible? It's, it's, there's no exactly, way that could even exactly, happen. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so I began to say, there's more nuance to this. So how did this happen? Well, there's a lot of ways. But one of them is, yes, that, that um, doctors began being uh, the focus of investigations or uh, b- poor evaluations, Prescani scores that were low. Right. Uh, Losing when they jobs. Were saying, uh, all that. Yep. The thing I was most focused on, and, I, and it's still a riddle locked inside and nobody knows, like the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Who was behind the lawsuits on doctors? Where did, It takes a lot of money to sue doctors. Who was, I, I it was an, it had to have been an orchestrated thing. No, no. By the pain, whatever that thing, that oh, nonprofit. No. I don't know how pain. orchestrated it needed to be. You're getting, you remember, you're getting a lot of patients who are, who you get managed care, you're getting a lot of patients who are demanding yeah. to be fixed, yep. demanding an end to pain. Yep. Uh, it might yeah, be they, a natural. But they hadn't thing. sued before. How here's, come all of a sudden all it, it takes. became here's lawsuits? Here's all it takes a attorney who believes he can get it done. Yeah. And it was okay. one guy. Who got it done in Florida, in North or where? Carolina, North Carolina? And when that guy got it done, every other attorney in the country went, oh, yeah, "Game on! He can do it. We can do it too. It's perfect. This is a, and it's a great way to make money without malpractice insurance in the way." You know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. It, didn't the Sacklers? <laughs> didn't Purdue back the pain management nonprofit motive? Yes, sure. Oh, I'm yes, sure they did. Yes, I'm sure, sure they did. Of course. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Right. But, of course. Oh, no, you guys are great I mean, with my but conspiracy. But this is the nuance, Bob. This is the nuance. There also was the state medical societies yes. getting behind pain as the fifth vital sign. There was Jayco demanding fifth vital sign. 
online. And the happy face analysis. Remember all those we had to do? Right. The little happy, sad right. face. All of our patients were super sad faces because they were in withdrawal. Right. And, the, the, and the Department of Mental Health would come in and go, what are you doing? You're making these poor people suffer. I'm like, yeah, they're in, they're in opiate withdrawal. They'll be good in three days. They won't even yeah. remember this. Yeah. And right. they were. Without exception. One thing we never did in our entire career, 20 years working, no, we never at any point went, what are we going to do with these heroin addicts? We can't get them off the heroin. It's impossible. We had no problem getting people off heroin. All you needed is a good team, cohesive, and knows what they're doing. This whole advent of the replacement therapies and everything, it's mysterious to us because we didn't need it. Yeah. We, in fact, I kept it out of the unit because I couldn't. I couldn't run the unit if there was an opening on the unit. All Drew patients is, would be Drew preoccupied in, about it. When Drew was doing it, he's an addiction doctor like you need, paying attention every hour, communicating with the team, so that we could. We got people off 160 milligrams of methadone in yeah. like 14 days. Yeah. So. Well, Thirty days, uh, give or take. But he was, he was walking stuff. around. Oh, Mike, yeah, he, he was he good. He was after walking around. Days. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so there is a way to and the and the. The medical profession kept believing, oh, once they're on 150 milligrams or 200, 200 milligrams of oxycodone, you can't get them off yeah. ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's now I, I wanted to talk to you about, the Suboxone Highway, the Subutex uh-huh. <laughs> Highway is the next thing. Well, People you know, still- like all these things, uh, it, it seems to me it's all in how you use them. It was right. The same with the opioids. Well, but also all. who's using them? You can remember people are using it that don't understand addiction, they yeah. don't understand recovery. But this is also a problem. Yeah. yeah. I think that the pro- that that we that right, there's 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 this idea that that medically assisted treatment they forgetting the assisted part of that. <laughs> right. And That's and, right. and and it That's has right. there are cases where I think where um people just say we're well, you know, to me to me medically assisted treatment works seems to work best anyway in, with Group therapy with a variety of other things. And, and, that you by use. the way, testing for other drug use other than opiates, which also. they refuse to do. Yeah, which well, is yeah. astonishing. Now to that, me. well, here's here's a junkie count, the CKDAC counselor version of how you can tell a pseudo addict from a real addict. As soon as you put the real addict on Suboxone, they want to start talking about getting off of it. Uh-huh. When you put these prescription drug addicts, these pseudo addicts, is what ASAM started calling them. They don't. They're fine. They take. Four milligrams, they're fine. They yeah. go to work. They so hmm. that thing that's that Volcal no, yeah, Vol and, and all those people are marketing Suboxone. It is in people who don't have a predetermination to addiction. Well, hold on. It will wait, work wait, wait, wait. fine too, with too, too much, too much. So, so, but but uh, let me. You understand what I'm saying? As soon it's, as it, you get them sh- stable on eight milligrams, they want to start getting off mm-hmm. junkies, yeah. right? Right, because they're not right. They know they're they're they're. They want to be higher. Right? They yeah. want to be better. They understand they're not well. We we've created we we've expanded the spectrum of opiate addiction. When when we when Bob and I were running a team, the opiate addicts we saw were all junkies. They were all like Bob. Yeah, they were real opiate addicts. By putting everyone in a little bit of pain, stringing them, even like yeah. every 17-year-old coming off knee surgery, stringing them out, you have a population that might not have otherwise ever developed addiction, so you've expanded. There has to be some genetic potential, right? You have to right. at least like it. I don't like them. I hate them. They feel horrible. So there's some genetic something in there, but it's a different condition yes. than the real addicts that we were accustomed to treating. Right. Now, when they're in it, they will behave like a real addict, sure. but they're different than how you get even them more out. Yeah, you know, one guy told me that... Um, his theory was sounded like an interesting idea. Actually, he said uh, he was an addiction specialist in, in near uh, Columbus, Ohio, and he said my theory is that what we really did was we got uh, through this promotion of pain pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we addicted all the people, a, a lot of people who might have been alcoholics, yeah, or or, and, or mild alcoholics, yeah, or and, never and really might have alcoholic. taken twenty Absolutely. years before they had to come to me, hundred percent. And now 100%. it's like they're falling off the cliff at twenty one, and, and that's a 45. different. Then that's a different disease, a different genetic subset. Mm-hmm. Therefore, different disease manifestations. Therefore, different treatment options. And yeah. so, but that's the real issue: is we don't have a See, nuanced plus, plus approach. Far less deadly. I mean, the the, the, the thing uh, about this I don't know one, about that. Well, I mean, I mean, because they behave just like addicts when they're in it. Well, true, but I mean, the, the the folks who get who 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 get involved in in opiates, I mean, they 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 die far quicker than alcoholics. Oh yeah, they, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, they're, oh, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're particularly with what also has changed because of this expanded market that you mentioned is very right, correct i think you have seen the underworld all of a sudden in the last i would say eight years roughly um 
recognize this and provide and the, the the underworld because it's unregulated will always go to the most potent dope. You saw that with marijuana, cheapest, most potent. Uh, cheapest, whatever's cheapest and yeah. most potent. Yeah. It's also, of course, the mo- most deadly in this yeah. case. It's not like marijuana in that ca- in that sense. Uh, and, and, and so now you have. 72,000 people last year dying, most of them from fentanyl. from fentanyl or heroin. Together, that's, you know, that's like 40... But, but a, but a large million. portion of this addict population 50, that got created by Purdue, <laughs> I believe... Is... Well, I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's there, again. What I found fascinating about this story was if OxyContin there, there, didn't there exist. Was, no. If it didn't, if it wasn't, if it wasn't approved by the FDA, sure. this wouldn't have happened. Dude, no problem with Opana and MS Contin. I never noticed OxyContin as a prescriber. The ones that worried me was fentanyl, Opana. And, uh, um, yeah, but they were really restricted. Are they you were hard me? to get a hold My of. Pe- oh, no. Are yes, you- they were compared to OxyContin. No. No. Because I, I, feel, th- I feel this way. That as I got into it, I, be- uh, I understand your penchant for conspiracy theories. I, have, <laughs> I come from the opposite point of view. As a, as a journalist for 31 years, I, I, have to, I tend to view everything as extraordinarily nuanced and complex, and maybe to my detriment sometimes. But I have to say, in this case, it feels to me like like this is uh, there are so many factors that went into creating this, and even I wrote a four hundred page book about it. I even think they probably could have added a few more. Honestly, yes, yes. you know what yeah. I mean. But uh, my little brain can't can't conceive. But where were the drugs consumed in disimpoverished dip parts no, of the no, United no, States? No, 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 no. No, look, Virginia, we are Ohio? sitting. We are sitting in Southern California, right, right uh, up the freeway, uh, uh, 10, 15 miles is some of the wealthiest suburbs in America: Simi Valley, Thousand Oaks, Santa right, Clarita, Orange County. That's 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 pill the pill beltway in Southern California. But the that's millions of pills you talk about being prescribed in hamlets of West Virginia of by course. Purdue. Sure, that sure. that by was Purdue. because they're so hopeless no. and helpless. Wow. There, that, the, every need... but see that every place has its own story, doesn't? Don't you think? What I didn't, what I tried to understand was how could a Rust Belt Appalachian town have the same exact problem? As a, as Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a banking center, two sports teams, beautiful skyline. To me, that's the great question. Like, now, why is that? Is that an economic and despair story? Or is it, uh, my feeling is, my hunch, there's a lot of that to it. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying that there's a whole lot more that has to do with basically American, I would call it just American isolation. That there's this, there's this what is the common denominator in small Rust Belt towns in Appalachia, coal mining towns in West Virginia, uh, and and uh, and Orange County and and Charlotte, North Carolina, very very well to do hopelessness. Places. I, 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 I would say isolation. To me, you look at their houses in in Orange County, you go, what kind of hopelessness is this? Now, go granted, go in those houses. Granted, and granted, meet those there people. is <laughs> what, what's maybe not there is is something that sustains us more than material possessions, right. which is exactly. a kind of a soul nourishing that doesn't go on. Perhaps you might say. Um, I just found it to be. Um, uh, not so easy as to just say this company is the villain, and there we, we point. Because I find it, frankly, if you ask me, I, I really believe that a big part of this was Americans. We all, oh, as yeah, Americans, for sure. wanted for sure. something easy, an easy answer to a complicated problem, which is pain. How do we deal with but pain? But there is a moral responsibility of the medical profession, the pharmaceutical industry, to protect the people from dangerous drugs. Mm-hmm. That's and, the medical profession. So, But That's let me tell you profession. something. Who? All the lawsuits you mentioned in the opium series, the main lawsuits are after, and you correct me what the name of this company is, it's the distribution of prescription drugs in the United States. Macmillan, is yeah. that what it's called? Um, uh, McKesson. Uh, McKesson. Right. They're yeah. the ones going to pay. They're the ones yeah. made the most money. So I, I was a part of that for like two years going after the money streams of who made the most money, that company did. Yes, so, and, 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 and there's three companies that are the major distributors. Right, um, and they were supposed to notify the federal government every time it went to right. a certain thing, and thousands right. and of they times did not. they did not. That's the, that's the allegation, and I think what's going to be interesting, what I, I can tell you as an as a investigative reporter, I am thrilled to watch this because they are doing things that I did not have the, the finances, the budget, time, brain power, lawyers, whatever, to do a huge amount of resources mm-hmm. now being devoted to investigating how right. all this took took place. And I was out there all alone feeling like, okay, I'm going to do this. You- so much of it was like, 
I, I mean, I was exhausted at the end. I was like brain dead almost at the end. I was just like so worn out. And and now what I what I'm liking simply as an investigative reporter is to see all this investigative resources being de- uh, 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 focused on finding out all of this stuff. Like right. to what degree did uh, McKesson send? X number of pills to some small town in in uh, Kentucky. Uh, we're gonna. F- I'm hoping we're gonna find all that out, and then oh, I'm sure we from will. that we need. There needs to come. It would seem to me that evidence will. I'm hoping suggest very strong measures through which these that doesn't happen again. I uh, guarantee you what they will find. I guarantee you, they will find an over enthusiastic pain management physician in these places that that felt it was their crusade. Mm-hmm. They were crusaders doing the right thing. Don't you understand, Bob? These yeah. people are suffering in this little town, and yeah. I'm going to make them all better. That's also, yeah. And here's I the thing about those you pills. you will find that. Here's the thing. Those pills were sold to doctors as a boon to their practice. First of all, primary care doc, you're, you're burdened by all these patients. The ones that take up most of your time are the chronic pain patients. You nothing, get them. nothing ends the visit faster than opening your prescription yeah. pad. And you get them out That's of it. your... And so, so it was sold as... As a and this was key to what Arthur Sackler said. When you when you are marketing to doctors, make sure that you, what you market solves that one of their problems. And pills solved a problem. That's the problem being a patient who take a pain patient who takes up way too much time. What ended up happening was as instead of a boon, these pills became a curse to doctors. In my opinion, a lot of times they first of all, of course, some of them, good number of them, got addicted to those same pills. Some of them got addicted to the money, which comes from having your your waiting room full of people who are willing to pay two hundred fifty bucks yeah, a month to get right. the prescription exactly. every month. That's another part of it. The other part of it is though, I think increasingly they fed what Drew's talking about this this kind of messianic idea that that not only should I but I can. It's not possible to do that. And also, it fed on the other hand, I think a certain laziness. Like you're going to prescribe pills for whatever happens through the 100%. door. One hundred percent. You know, and so all and, of that. And by the way, a lack of training. Also, that feeds on all of that. Yeah. No, no I mean, training in med school for how to deal with pain. Or addicts or even psychiatry. Or, or any of that. And so primary care is doing the majority of psychiatry in this country. Right. I thought I knew psychiatry when I started working at a psychiatric hospital. I ended up working there for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, can we deal with that, please? Uh, I ended up working there for 30 years, and within about six months of me being there, I thought, oh, my God, I don't know shit about psychiatry. So I spent the next 20 years becoming really quite expert in it and never do anything alone. I I always refer because I'm not a psychiatrist, yeah. but the internists think they are. Because they don't know enough to know that they don't understand don't what's know, going yeah. on. They have no idea what's going overlaid, on. The pills were overlaid on a culture of isolation in America, on a lack of well, training. Okay, so let's stay with the isolation thing. Is Are you in the Johan Hari category? I think he's gone way too far myself. But, I, I actually but, don't. I, I, I hate to tell you I haven't read his book. So, so okay. I, 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 I came to these ideas. You're right, I think. But he goes, he goes way over yeah, here. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I, my feeling is that there's ample evidence in America that we have – um, we have isolated ourselves uh, horribly. We have destroyed the things. We're not funded the things. We're ignored the things. We raise, our, together. Ch- we raise our children wrong. Have you read that book? Of the American Mind? No, but Coddling. I, his name. Oh yeah, Coddling the American yes, Mind. I the have three lies. Book. Right. Yeah. I've heard the podcast on that. But but hang on, there's more to it than that though because. Bowling Alone, you read that book? I haven't, but, but I, that I same, know the idea. Same idea. He was the first to sort of point this out sure. to us, I think. Yeah. But I think there's a deeper issue, which is in our family systems. Well, we, we don't know how to stay a community. We don't know how to connect. We don't trust other people. We don't want to be close because closeness was a source of pain and misery. Yeah. So that's what sort of... I'm, I'm, what I find fascinating, frankly, just a, a not, I mean, not being a, a, a connected in a personal way to addiction is is how when you begin to talk about this issue uh i uh, you begin to dig into all kinds of issue of of themes like that i thought i was literally writing a book about drug traffickers and and that came in the form of of guys from mexico or that came in the form of drug companies whatever marketing drugs you know and and, and instead what began to happen was it began to encounter these ideas or these themes and i could not avoid them i did not i on the contrary i said let the facts kind of take you like an ocean current somewhere else than where you thought you were going. And so 
to me, that's, that's what I find fascinating about it. You can begin to talk about all kinds of, you begin to talk about great philosophical questions like what is happiness? How do we actually achieve happiness? You know, I, I find the family the is a, 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 an enormously important element to the story. And, and it's been disparaged in America for 30 years. Yes, I think so. And, yeah. and also it's been a Takes lot a of village, people. Sam. Takes a village. Well, Forget no, the family. No, no. Takes it, a village. So let's, let's, the, this book I just read over the holidays. Yeah. It's the most interesting thing because I think parenting is broken the last 20 years. Yeah. I have two small kids. I watch what is accepted norms of parenting. I'm like, this is awful. And Drew knows, like, kids were crying at my son's elementary school when Trump was elected. I was like, how do six-year-olds know who the fuck the president is? <laughs> it's their parents are fucked up. Right. Right? So this three truths that these two college professors noticed started happening in the 90s, where they were facing, they were coming, interfacing with students who oh, were boy. told these three things by their families, by which their were, parents. You were special. Which are, no, special. no, no, listen to this. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker. So avoid all yeah. life, Confrontation fear and anxiety yeah. of and, life. And let me put a, a, a stronger <laughs> light on that. What do we do in obsessive compulsive disorders and phobias? We do exposure therapy. That's uh-huh. what we do to people that have those problems. We Not anymore. Them. We don't, <laughs> Not anymore. We don't we isolate do. them. But no, as a country, yeah. you've decided now you isolate yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Always trust your feelings. Oh, yeah, oh, boy. Yeah. That's a problem. That's Ouch. All children are taught that. I watch it yeah. every Ouch. thing. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. And then um, life is a battle between good people and evil people. Oh yeah, see, God. this is exactly my perspective, that that is how I, I, I do the Oof. opposite. That in, As a reporter, I can tell you in 31 years of doing I don't know how many stories, three books, etc., I have met exactly precisely one person who I thought to be an evil at heart, an evil person. Right, they're very Everybody rare. Everybody else they're is very kind rare. of right. It's a kind of like very gradations of but gray. But greed, greed mm-hmm. is a form of it, evil. But, but sure, but, but greed comes with other things things that mitigate greed and, right. and what, motivates, family. what motivates greed is emptiness right i see it all the time i work in the recovery industry right. a lot of greedy people there so greed is another i think that false materialism the society we live in yeah. it puts people in predicaments like you said these doctors got themselves into a predicament but I think the pills were kind of the, the vehicle. They, they, they told you, and all this pressure to use them, and all these patients telling you, damn it, doc, you better fix me, and I don't want to feel But how happy pain. were the patients when they got the 180s? They were yeah. fucking happy. Well, but so that, now you got a room full of happy people. But you got to understand, from the, from the physician perspective, that looks who doesn't understand addiction, that's a good patient now. They make their appointments on time. Right, they pay exactly. their bill. They show up, yeah. this, and they yeah. feel great. And, they tell good and what's, more, what's more, here's the other thing about the pills that I thought was interesting, and that is that doctors, like most human beings, uh, get their validation, professional validation, from positive Healing. reinforcement. And Healing. these are so when a patient leaves happy, yeah. doctor thinks, I did a good job. That's yes. a good thing. That's, That's a right. positive outcome. That's the right. pills let people leave happy when actually in the long run it was going to be a damaging or dangerous. Listen, they have a, dis- they have a s- discipline in, in primary call- called the difficult patient. Yeah. And they put it all in one category. Inside the difficult patient, you have the drug addict, the borderline, the sociopath. They, don't, they, even, differ- they even understand those differentiations. Yeah. They just yeah. go, patient's difficult. How do you handle it? That's how primary care deals with it. We have to take a little break. Be right back. If you or someone you know is dealing with addiction, someone you love, finding treatment is difficult. It's very frustrating. It is a minefield out there. And the truth is, every patient's needs are different and evolving. People behind True Recovery in Orange County, California, realize that effective care is not one size fits all. That's why they have developed a comprehensive range of treatments that can address all facets of this disease. True Recovery's master level clinicians maintain small caseloads. They personally manage your case, allowing them to personalize the care. They offer individualized treatment plans from residential to outpatient and always with an eye on a holistic approach and a focus on accountability. And as patients become ready, this is a key part of what True Recovery offers. They offer assistance with life and coping skills, school and vocational coordination, as well as community reintegration support and aftercare. I've spoken with the medical director at True Recovery, and I was impressed with the range of therapeutic modalities and psychiatric services. Their experienced team is well-equipped to manage patients at all levels of care. To request information on True Recovery can provide you the personalized care you need, go to drdrew.com slash true. Again, that is drdrew.com slash T-R-U-E. 
Well, CBDs are everywhere, right? Everyone's talking about them, and it's a topic that I get asked about all the time. Bottom line on CBD, although there are way more claims made about them, the clinical evidence right now, it's not all that clear, but many people are using it and reporting great results, and they are very encouraging. So I want to first define exactly what I'm talking about here. CBD is cannabidiol, an extract from hemp. While you might associate with marijuana, CBD does not cause reinforcement. It is not the reinforcing component of hemp, but it is what's responsible for the calming or some of the relaxing effects that many people experience, not the high. Now about the products. There are a ton of them on the market today. For getting the vast array of the reported health benefits, it's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards, not the hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is described to you so you can make an informed decision without all those promises that are probably too good to be true. Like I said, the reported benefits of CBD by individuals using this are very compelling. I'm excited to see how things develop as the science catches up with this booming industry. As usual, the public is ahead of the science. I can't make explicit claims yet, but boy, the reports are pretty encouraging. So if you're ready to try CBD, I encourage you to check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash select. That's on my site, drdrew.com slash S-E-L-E-C-T. And for a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with the code drdrew, D-R-D-R-E-W. Again, drdrew.com slash select, and then the code D-R-D-R-E-W. We are back. We're talking to Sam Canonis. The book is Dreamland. Oh, now, thanks for coming. I know here. it makes I could I could talk to you all my afternoon. Pleasure. You're gonna really have, nice uh, to be here. Thank you guys really for having me. How are we doing on you. time, by the way? Oof. So We're I'm going to tell okay. you a funny story. So yeah, I was swimming in the same waters. I was I was very focused on the Sacklers and the Sackler family. Do you know, have you met Nat, Nan Golden, the activist artist? She, she wrote to me once, and I wrote back, and I didn't hear back from her after that. I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. she, she's oh, she's Michelle. An old, Okay. Yeah, she's 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 a radical. She's a punk rocker like me, and and she was sober in the eighties, and then got hooked on prescription drugs, and then has earmarked. So I was pitching this TV show called Dope Nation, probably about five years ago. We're in this meeting, and we got really heavy as to how we're going to plan and strategize me making their lives miserable and all this kind of stuff. And we were in this late night meeting, and I just said, "Listen, you guys." I'm a really good driver and I would never kill myself because we were so scared of what we were going into. You were all alone. Weren't you scared sometimes when you um, were in that, right in that? No. I, I you don't, don't think, think they, they kill people that are getting in their think, way no, of $50 I didn't billion. Dollars. No. What I felt was not fear, but uh, initially, briefly, very briefly, I felt like, oh my God, what have I done? Sign myself up for a story no one cares about. And my, my family, too. And then I got you over that. You didn't think that Purdue I, would care about it? No, 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 no. That, that, that other people in America, no one seemed to care about it. So why was yeah, I writing why would Didn't Purdue you fear, care? That, fear them squishing you like a, like mm. a gnat? Like with lawsuits and crushing you? Yeah. You didn't, you didn't it, worry I, about I wasn't, it? You're you, a stronger man I, I, than I. I wasn't. I Bob, wasn't he had the truth. He had the truth on his side. It, it's didn't, it didn't seem to. What do you think the tobacco industry investigative reporters had on their side in the 80s? Yeah, it, to me, it did not feel like it didn't feel um, that, that was going to happen. What can I say? It could have, but it, it didn't. So um, it and, never and crossed fact, your what, mind. It did cross my mind, but uh, but I, I it didn't stay with me for a long time. Uh, the, I was more too busy. He had criminals. I was too busy. <laughs> yeah, you know, he just seriously, one guy. seriously, I was just too busy, and and the story threads. Were numerous, and I was trying to keep when them all straight. When did they start to find out about it? Oh, well, I don't know, but I wrote to them. Oh and I wrote God. them a, a long email because I felt that I had one shot. And I said in this email, uh, I'm doing this book, going to come out whenever it's going to come out. And, um, and when it comes out, uh, uh, or, or I would like, I'm asking you now officially uh, for interviews with the following people. So I, I listed both titles and some names that I knew. But you probably talked to the guy who became the born-again Christian who who left Purdue, the marketer no, guy? No, no. You know about that guy? No, no, oh. no. But okay, I, he I had wrote a change their, of conscience through becoming born I wrote again. To their, wrote to their media department, right? And, I, and I, I had an email for one or two people, I don't remember, and I, I sent them this long email, and I said, I want to talk about the following topics and then the, to- the following people. And Whoa. so it was a long email. I think I still have it somewhere. And they got back to me, and they, with, they said no. And they said uh, uh, in two paragraph, uh, 
thing. They, they said, we're against the abuse of our drugs. Uh, we don't produce it for those reasons, and we are working hard to see that no one abuses drugs, th- these drugs that we produce, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, and, but I, we, we, we are going to have to decline your uh, request for an interview. And so I, I took that, two, those two paragraphs, verbatim, and put them right under the book, yeah. in the manuscript, and that was all. And I never heard back from them after that. Um, maybe they didn't know who I was. I don't really know. All, all I know is no, that no. I, I was doing my due diligence. You get a person an attorney on it, and that's it. The attorneys say, don't say anything. Here's what you write back. And that's yeah, it. right. I'm sure that they that's had it. some kind of... Uh, it's medical liability. You understand, it's a medical liability is such a crazy environment. The people are busy protecting themselves all the time. And, you know, I actually happen to feel that... The, I, I don't know. I don't know the law, and I don't know the, 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 the precedent-setting cases and all this, or what you would expect when you get to court. But I have to say that I felt that they, they did themselves of disservice mm-hmm. um, that they they particularly when there is uh, they they might have a story to tell and I thought that that that, that was a possibility but, that, but there's a liability attached to telling it you see I, I, and I now know, when the federal government comes in and says we're going to sure. get you they sure. can't admit any culpability I know I know and what I'm there. I thought that they what they should have done is said you know what I agree with you though we really messed up yeah for about seven years we messed up and. Um, Doctors can do that and get away with it. Companies can't. And then, and then well, we are now going no, to devote a billion dollars a year to yeah, treatment, right, whatever. Which, which that kind of yeah, that's what that's but what the judge in the Cleveland problem, wanted. The problem that's what the is judge wanted. the problem is that that we've come to find is uh, I found. Part- <coughs> Pardon me, one second. Okay, hold yeah, on. A second. Yeah, sure. The problem well, with that uh, approach is we've come to find, uh, at least what I've read in in later lawsuits is that their first seven, eight years when they were doing this egregious marketing of their pill uh, did not stop once they were uh, sued criminally by the federal government. That they, they were supposed to stop. They were supposed to take take note of, of uh, doctors who were out of control. They were supposed to do all these different things. They paid a $634 million fine, et cetera, Is it et cetera. true that the guy said, who do I write the fucking check to? I don't know if that happened or not. <laughs> But but what I what I, what what I think is going to be shown now at least I read a very interesting uh, uh, lawsuit out of the state AG's office in Tennessee where they talk about how Purdue behaved after signing that agreement and paying that fine and all that it was not as much egregious stuff but it's horrible what they're alleging in that lawsuit if it's true is just an outrage. Because they were preying on doctors that were – at one point, I almost broke down when I read this. There was this poor doc in Tennessee who said – who talked to this sales rep and says, you know, I really don't think I should be prescribing this. I don't think I'm actually capable and competent to do that. And the, the rep was, no, 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 you know, keep going, doggone it. This is all up, you know. <laughs> and and um, oh, read that. Read the lawsuit from the state attorney sure general's happened. office in I'm Tennessee. I'm sure that happened. But why did the doctor keep going? And see, and the problem is, yeah, the problem I mean, is they're lost. They're, academic they're medicine, academic, to academic. We we follow our lead based on our our consulting peers in the higher up institutions. Yeah, that's where we get our practices from. Right, and if they're signed on, we have to sign on. Yeah, lest we want to address that in a lawsuit, because the lawsuit will come at us. You always have to think when you're prescribing. What do you say on the stand? When the judge, when the other attorney or the judge says, Dr. Pinsky, were you not aware of Dr. Smith's opinion at University right. of Kentucky, right. where he has made it very clear that the prescribing has been underdone and you are adding to the suffering of patients? Yeah. What's your defense? Who's your academic backing right. for this? Well, it's been my experience, Judge. I don't care what your experience is. Academia says you should be prescribing more. Right. Why didn't you? You're dead. And that's why You're the dead. opinion of, of pain specialists made everything. In, in the 90s made was everything. so, so important. That, that, and all those that's guys. how you learn. You go to these CME conferences yes. and you're like, so-and-so is telling well, you, you this is the new in way. In the state of California, we were required to go to pain management right. symposiums every year. And this is why I say, to me, it feels like there's all these different forces, threads forces. to this story that, yeah. that I found. I found that a more interesting story than the bogeyman story we can all point out to. Like, that's yeah, the that would be there. easy. 
that, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that easy. But but right. he, the first the very first pain management conference I went to was headed up by a guy who was a psychiatrist and an anesthesiologist and a pain management specialist. And he goes, I'm going to talk today about methadone prescribing. He goes, funny thing about these chronic pain patients, 96% of them have a history of physical or sexual abuse in childhood. Anyway, let's talk about methadone. So I was like, <laughs> I was almost fell out of my chair. Wow. No talk about how to manage the abuse. Yeah. So, so you're, you and I discussed a little earlier, pain is a multifactorial process. And at its fundamental basis, it's a somatic experience. Right. What's going on at the source of pain in your body? And a affective experience, right. the misery component, which is a part of your brain called the insula cortex. And the insula cortex has nothing to do necessarily with what's going on somatically. Yeah. They're supposed to be connected, but if you've had sexual physical abuse, they get disconnected. Yeah. And the body becomes a source of fear and misery at all times. And part of the multifactorial treatment, my, my uncle was the first president of the American Academy of Pain Medicine, and he ran a multidisciplinary pain program at Irvine, and I consulted down there a few times. And they had neurobiofeedback, they had MRI yeah. stuff, they had a thousand different ways this of going at this. This is a fascinating yeah. idea that, that, to me, I did not... He went out of business. I, well, to me, I, 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 when I, I was a layman, I was, it was all new to me, and I was like, fascinating. The pain could actually not be due to a cut a somatic, or a broken yeah. leg. But there's or, there's pain, know. and then there's misery. Two different things. Well, you know, what? I, I then spent some time... And then the, there's chronic withdrawal. And then there's and there's right. amplified pain through opioid. It's called hyperalgesia. But go ahead. I'm sorry. But I was going to say that, that I spent some time in uh, speaking with the doctor who runs the VA pain clinic in Las Vegas. Mm. Very interesting guy. Very articulate. What, Been around his name? Uh, Alexander Usani. Did you work with him at all? Uh, no. Uh, great, great guy. You might want to talk to him at some point. Uh, very, very thoughtful and, and young guy and, and, and very, very articulate. But he was saying he started that clinic. He was brought in from Salt Lake when they were beginning this. And he starts the new pain clinic for the, for the VA in Las Vegas, which includes – all manner of treatment. Right. It's not pills anyway. It's yeah. a, you know, it's a acupuncture Everything. and swimming yeah, and the whole bit, a whole bit. And he starts telling me how how part of the problem that they face in Las Vegas, as opposed to Salt Lake, where you have strength, strong families going back two, three, four generations sometimes, you know, still alive. Transient, in Las Vegas, it's a transient, transient town, yeah. you know, and people so don't is, have a lot of money either, and they're here, they're there, they're going This is on. back to the isolation. And, and he says part of the problem that we're seeing is that the folks who are on the highest levels of pills, um, you know, they only come in to get – they were only coming in to get their pills. They weren't yeah, leaving their house for any other reason. Part of what it required as being – as the director of this is to – start thinking about how do we create community in their lives. And that is an, a, a treatment for chronic pain. That, that was a mind-blowing, beautiful, fascinating uh, uh, idea. You know, there was this thing developed in the 40s and 50s that sort of acknowledged the same thing in Akron, Ohio, I think it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it something called 12-step? Yeah. <laughs> That's at its core what it is. Yeah. It's at its right. core. It's right. just we've been advocating for it for community years. community and build the understanding. The most powerful tool I have is... Whatever an addict says to me, I can say, I understand. I know. And I, just, I, I the, felt the, that. Brains and change that, other brains, and then we've lost yeah. track of that. And that, that's why. But I, that, that within, gets into some of the stuff that you're talking about with that, with those three things that, you know, that, that, that kids should always trust their feelings, that there's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's this, this approach to child raising that really, if you look at our neighborhoods, appears to be everybody indoors, quick. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, don't go outdoors because. You might skin your knee, yeah. or uh, or you'll be taken away by a boogeyman, yeah, or I, or your or the car will hit you. All of which has happened. N- I got hit of, by a car. I still <laughs> rode none of which none of which is reason why the entire country ought to button their kids up indoors. Well, right. but I mean, but again, it's narcissism at its core, <coughs> which is the child is an extension of me. Yeah, they can't tolerate like. Parents can't tolerate their children suffering. Correct. No. So you know, they, my dad can... didn't even know we were suffering. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, I, I frequently tell the story when I when I when I uh, speak that when I was growing up, I grew up in Claremont, which uh, Eden. That's Eden. where he lives. Oh, you live there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. My dad's a retired uh, uh, professor of oh, comparative gosh. literature. Where? Yeah, which school? The college? Uh, CMC. Oh, okay. Yeah, he oh, taught God, at CMC. He retired now, many years ago. Now, how dare you call it CMC? By the way, I, I went to uh, <laughs> I went to um, Pomona. Uh, no, Claremont McKenna. I, I'm Claremont McKenna? High School. 
Oh, yeah, Pomona. I graduated. And I worked uh, as a dishwasher at Pomona, Pitzer, and wow. a landscaper at CNC. You ever work at the oh, Dancing Restaurant in downtown I, n- I never did. I did work at that's Marie, my, Cal- that's my Marie wife's Calendars. Family. That's my wife's family. Is that dancing. so? Yeah, no, I applied to job there three or four times. <laughs> they never took me. I did work for Marie Calendars. <laughs> it's just closed. Yes, on Foothill. They just closed, <laughs> sadly. Uh, that's but, so crazy. But the, uh, the, uh, the idea was that we grew, I grew up on the street where every after in the 60s, uh, I'm 60 years old, so I was growing up like 66, 7, 8, 9, right in there. Um, every afternoon, uh, we'd be uh, – uh, my mom had to come to the street sidewalk every afternoon with a farm bell that she had from Iowa, where she's from, wow. and ring the bell. That was her calling her come boys home. home because she knew there's no way we're going to be inside the house sunny Southern California afternoon. Now you go to that same street. Okay. I've been down that same street – what Six, eight times. It? St. Bonaventure. It's right oh, across yeah. from Oakmont School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oakmont Elementary School, where I went to, to elementary school. My God. Uh, I've been down that street six, eight times, I'd say, in the last 10 years. There's nobody on Never. It. Never anybody. Not on one it. person. Do you, you know see what's interesting? The students from, from the colleges never leave their dorms either. All is of downtown so? yeah. Claremont is empty. That's incredible. It's the craziest thing. It's, There's 5,500 5, students in that town, Drew. You never see them. Wow. Well, they're busy. Oh, just studying. I mean, to be fair, it's far more 60s, upsetting to me. In I the have 60s, to say, you saw them. Far more upsetting to me to see go down that street where I grew up because that's some of the cheapest housing where we lived first is remains some of the cheapest housing. So you would think that there'd be a lot of kids yeah. on right. that street yeah. in Claremont. I mean, there's a very high priced town. I now. say, is there such a thing as cheap housing in Claremont? Now? Well, oh, now no. there is. Uh, now, I mean, this street would be it if there was. Right, and and you just don't see anybody. Yeah, that's so uh, funny. On, on Blaisdell Park, so right around the corner i don't think parents let their kids out on the street anymore even when we lived in hollyburn it was all kids there were never kids out no like, it was a bit it was a bit not much not us much. just yeah. us well, we now, now what, what, what it requires is that yeah. you you yeah. actually no no make kind of an organized sure. effort but here's the thing a lot less kids Parent, we i live in a dirt road up off live oak right and there's a professor there whose kids run around barefoot and my kids run around barefoot so the idea is that we all know each other and we see other kids, yeah. other parents' kids walking down the dirt road and you just see out the window. It's about as close as you can come to right. the way that I grew up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My problem is my eight-year-old now is becoming addicted to video games yeah, to get him a, out of the house. That's part of the I problem. I found a way to do it, though. You just disconnect the Wi-Fi. Yeah, oh, right. there you go. it's a crazy. You go, oh my God, the Wi-Fi's out. <laughs> we better go outside. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. You need to now plan that. You need to <laughs> now work. Like, or, it doesn't happen organically anymore. And part of it too, I'll have, uh, uh, I'll have to say, is that the families are so much smaller now. I mean, used oh, to yeah, be every we had four boys in my family. It was a house that was very small, so there was. Staying indoors was not pleasant. I bet you, know? you your dad is probably friends with my landlord, Al Wachtel, the, the James oh. Joyce. That's Al's my yes. landlord. Yeah, Rick Winones. Ask yeah. him if you know him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Al right. Wachtel, leading authority I, on James I, Joyce in America. I think my I, uh, I, think I went, went to school with their Yeah, their kids. He has like kids. five kids, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, uh, two of their kids. A girl I think and a guy. Mo- yeah. They're still around Claremont. <coughs> anybody that's, anybody that's so weird. Anybody it is weird to think Claremont is like this little part of Connecticut. In Southern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's because of the high powered school. You know, they, the there. motto of the town is most PhDs in any municipality in California. That makes yeah. sense. Well, uh, that's probably true. I, I was I, I checked out Sycamore School at one point. We were thinking of maybe possibly going back there. And 46% of the parents of Sycamore Elementary School have PhDs. Is what they call <laughs> we don't look to the colleges. That's, that's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. So, but, good place but, you to know grow whose up. kid goes there? Pat Whitney's daughter goes there. Pat Whitney. To that Pat Whitney. The Bill Maher guy. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so who would have known that both guys going after the Sacklers from Claremont? <laughs> I'm not going after the Sacklers. I'm not – really, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to understand this – very complicated story. Is it, because, is right it because you don't want it to happen again? Because it already no. is happening again. What do you mean? It's happening again. What do you mean it's happening again? Benzo's in the Adderall. Oh, like, well, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the new cocktail. I think I, I'm going to tell you one thing. I have a whole lot of other interests besides addictive drugs. <laughs> yeah. And so I think this topic, I'm going to work it as much as I can. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to go right about... Mexican cartels or something like that because right. honestly it's like well, I can hook you up with some of those it's guys. over overwhelming <laughs> but, but here's the deal about benzodiazepines 
they're all generic. So you can't make the case that there's some evil empire behind no, it. No, I'm not saying it's, there's an evil empire. Physician there's a hopeless population that is susceptible to wanting to check out for the same reasons he's saying. Yeah. Isolation, yeah. just don't know your neighbors, don't don't you know, fear, 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 and and good and evil. Yeah. I'm good. Whoever yeah. disagrees with me is evil. That's, That's a society we have now. I will I do by the idea that, that kids are growing up uh, with with values that lead them to be less resilient, less able to deal with the with the the the, the turbulence of life, and well, that that is actually a very very scary thing because they yeah, they, yeah. they they then that's who our clients are. Well, now. well so but it's, but it's the, it's the point that he and I talk about very often, which is the parents and the kids. We have somehow lost the notion of a of a normal life with ordinary misery. Yes. Ordinary misery is something that Americans will have nothing to do with, and I think that's and, that's that's one of the 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 roots of this op- opioid yep. epidemic. Yep. The, the doctors began to feel that everybody yep. coming to them, damn it, I don't want to feel pain, damn it, you fix me, damn fix it, fix me you, for everything. Ordinary right. misery. When Freud set foot on this country, and they asked him, Doctor Freud, what do you come to this country to help to help us understand? He goes, Well, I'm trying to really understand the difference between psychopathology and ordinary misery. He did not know the difference, by the way. By the time he got here at the turn of the century, he was still trying to figure that out. And we have decided that ordinary mystery is always pathological, always something bad. And that's just not true. It's, in fact, good. we got to wrap it up. I see our producer standing over us. Uh, Bob, I'll let you thank Sam because I know it's a big deal for you. He's a big deal for me. Wonderful talking with you, man. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Say hello to Claremont for me. Thank you for coming in all the way. Oh, my pleasure, Drew. Once again, thanks again for the invitation. If you have any interest into this crisis that we have been through in this country, Read Dreamland. There's a documentary too, right? No, not I not yet. There, there might be a uh, a mini series. Yeah, that's what I thought I heard. Yeah. There should but be not a documentary. You can't tell on Netflix. There's so much on there. You don't yeah, know what's it been might made. Be what's, HBO. What's HBO, HBO is, uh, owns it now. So. Oh, they bought it from you to do it. Yeah, the yeah, producer got it. Yeah, I right. heard. I heard. So we'll see if that. That happens. was a while ago, got a right? Weekly infusion. About a year ago. Yeah. Well, no, not quite. That's eight months ago. All right, we'll come back and promote it when it comes out. There you go. Oh, yeah. Go to Weekly Infusion and uh, the Opiate Series. We have the whole sweep of the history. We put together, Michelle here, our writer-producer, put together a, the entire history of opiates and humans. The That's entire fantastic. History. It just and, made uh, me wish that I'd and lived it, a thousand years. And, <laughs> <laughs> and in the series, we have, we have the, obviously the, the written material, but we, I, I do a little audio book of it. And then we interview people that were very pertinent, like yourself, great. pertinent to whatever topic is in that chapter. So look for that series being released soon at Weekly Infusion. Thank you all. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Sam. And we'll, hey, see, you hey. ne- we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. All right. See you guys. All right. That's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC 790 Midday Live Talk Radio. Monday to Friday, you can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Zing What I Do By Myself, the Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob Swole Patrol, Mike Cantho, and his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Dairy W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrw.com, drdrw.com slash contact. Also, get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at doctor.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So, thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.